Well, the music around here has been stellar. This is a wonderful season for music, and we, we have this wonderful uh, blending of story and music. And so I'm so grateful that we've had this today. I'm, I'm thinking, and maybe you're thinking this as well, this is Rod's last Sunday with us. He will be with us Christmas Eve. We had a great time last week in worship and celebration. Uh, the worship of God and the celebration of Rod has been uh, something spectacular for us, and I'm, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to share time with him. Uh, at the end of the service, we will make an announcement about the ways in which we will uh, hire or bring on interim leadership in music and worship and pastoral care and senior adults and that kind of thing. So that'll be at the very end of the service that we'll have an opportunity uh, to share that information here in the church. The story of Mary, the story of peace, these two go together. What I'd like to do is to widen the lens just, just ever so slightly from the Christ child to take in this magnificent woman who shared um, her life, her story, everything about herself in order to be the mother of the promised one. I'd like to read out of Luke, the first chapter. Uh, this is a tag onto the, the uh, text that we used last week. This is the follow-up to that. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. This, this song text is a direct quote from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, from when Hannah uh, learned that she would become the mother of, of um, who? Samuel. Thank you. I learned in one of my churches that you don't ask a rhetorical question because somebody will answer it, and that's a big surprise in preaching. Well, I said I wanted to widen the lens ever so slightly beyond this simple focus on the baby Jesus to include his mother. You know, as Baptist Protestants, we're both, we put all of our Christmas eggs into one basket and have not taken really a fair look at this humble young woman who brought him into the world. Maybe we've been afraid to come out and admit it, but I think we've so distanced ourselves from the Mariology of the Catholic Church that we've underappreciated this wonderful subplot that goes on. And we find it here in Luke's 
gospel. Our scriptures today come from this song that rises up in her heart, and what is rising up in her heart is scripture. This is something that in the joy and the celebration of her own internal uh, wonder about what's happening in her life, the words of Scripture rise up in her. And this wonderful news that God has chosen her to give birth to this child. The Gospels paint this vivid picture of a girl who was likely just a teenager, a young teenager. You can almost go down to the, the refuge youth movement down below and begin to get an imagination of what a young teenage girl might look like. And then to post that into this story, I think, is a fair rendering. Not much more than a girl, she was already betrothed. This is the way things happened in that culture meaning a marital arrangement in which her marriage to an older man had already been agreed upon. And so she was what we might call engaged. That's the only translation that we can think of. She was engaged to be married, we might say. And she and Joseph already recognized that they would soon be husband and wife, even though the marriage ceremony had not yet happened. The scriptures go on to tell the story of Jesus when we begin to understand that Mary had other children, you know, to follow this birth of of the promised one. Uh, But we're only given the slightest hints about who they were. They would occasionally show up in the adult stories of Jesus. And if Joseph died as some believe, and the only assumption is that he died because of his absence. He's the absent one in the family photo. As these gatherings come along, he's not there any longer. And so many believe that he had died, probably because he really was an older person in the beginning. And if that is what took place, was Jesus really the leader of the family? He was a carpenter. He ran a carpenter shop. There have been some speculations about the Roman building that was going on in the, in the area, several Major Roman cities were being built at the time. Perhaps he traveled over the several miles that he would do in order to work as a carpenter on these, uh, what we would call a federal program. All we know is Joseph is absent. One thing that must have been true of Mary, though, of her inner, was the inner strength of her life. Um, when you work with the youth group, you begin to observe what is actually growing inside of these young men and young women. Character, they're deciding on who they are to be and what they're to be about. They begin to exhibit some of these amazing traits, and Mary must have been one of those persons. She had a huge heart to take on this task of being the one responsible, the one that God had chosen to bear this child. And it may have been overwhelming to her. We have no idea. But we do know this inner spirit in her rises up. And in the celebration between she and her cousin, Elizabeth, this song emerges in her. And we, I think what we can sense from that is this extraordinarily strong young, young woman. And she fits into a category of exemplary women who are marked by their strength in life. There's an old photograph of Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic worker movement. 
There she is. She's about 70 at this time. And she's sitting down because she's tired. She has been marching on behalf of the United Farm Workers all day long. And then the police show up. As a part of her her stand on behalf of the poor and the oppressed, she has been out marching. These are farm workers that are not protected by a lot of federal programs. They're not protected by employment law in many cases. That comes about because of the protest of Catholic workers who are involved in their lives. In the photo, she looks up at the policeman. You see the guns there. These are the signs of law enforcement. These are the the peacekeepers. And she shows no signs at all of being intimidated about her life, about her mission, about her calling in the world. She shows no signs that she's intimidated, nor will she be tempted to abandon her work or her witness on behalf of the poor. It would take more than this very staggering surroundings for her. There's the look of strong resolve mixed in even with her fatigue for her mission on her face. She's strong because despite her vulnerability, because of her attachment to others who are oppressed. I believe Mary's role, Mary's strength is obvious in the way in which she lived out her life. She lived her faith. Ron, you talked about ways in which we utilize the mission involvement of our church. It's an expression of our faith. It's the way that we take confession, that we take inner belief, and we solidify it by action. We do something in faith. Mary lived her faith. She did not make a show of her beliefs, and when called upon by God, she responded with her whole being. That's an amazing thing. And here she is, a young woman, with this kind of strength. This song has come to be known as the Magnificat. It's the response of this strong young woman whose song flowed out of her heart. It's the passage where Hannah pours out her heart in gratitude that she will bear a son even in her old age. And up to this point in the story, Mary and Elizabeth shared their joy with one another. Mary's had very little to say, or at least Luke's gospel records, not much about her conversation, anything that she might have said in the moment. Maybe it's because she's been rendered speechless by the intrusion of the angel that came to her and made the announcement. Maybe she has been somewhat speechless about all of these things And so this cathartic moment comes together where she and Elizabeth are together and the two sons that are inside of them respond to one another in one way or the other and she releases her most deeply held emotions. Mary is so full of joy and peace that she sings. Wow. And what is it that she sings? In her canticle... God blesses the poor and the oppressed and the hungry. That's the theme of the music, of the, of the text that she is quoting. And in the kingdom Jesus would later preach and teach, these are the themes of Jesus, her son. She sings of the great reversal. The way things will flip over 
the way the world will not continue down the same path, there will be a moment of transformation that will happen. And many call this the great reversal. In the Magnificat, Mary focuses the attention of all who hear her that there is a great day coming in which God will reverse the ways of the world until there is finally justice in the world. This is a long thread of Scripture. There's so many things that we focus on. This focus upon this theme of peace and justice is woven throughout the whole Scripture. Look over the words, God will scatter the proud and bring down the powerful. And on that day, God will lift up the lowly and fill the hungry. Now, take notice of this. This is not some early form of a Christian communal movement. That comes, but that's not what this is about. This song is not about an economic transformation. That is coming, but that's not what these words are really about. It's not a new government policy statement or a social program. Those of you who are worried about uh, socialism coming into our place, that's not really what this is about. It's much deeper than this. This theme in Scripture runs so much deeper than any of those ideas. It's the reversal of the injustice into the world. Those things that are woven into the way the world operates. It will affect the way that we think and feel. The prophets are are prophesying this amazing gift of change and transformation. It will affect both ends of the spectrum, overcoming the human-made systems that inherently oppress the poor by design. It's woven into the system, preventing them from sharing in the goodness of the kingdom, of the creation. And the interesting thing about this canticle, this song out of Hebrew Scripture, is that everything is spoken of in past tense. Sometimes we we glide right by that. The words of this Scripture are in past tense as if it's already happened. This song of Mary is 2,000 years old. The song of Hannah is at least 3,000 years old. And it's all given in past tense. None of this has actually happened, don't you know? There's very little real justice in the world, and the poor are still being held down and suppressed and prevented from having their portion of the fruits of creation. The system sets it up that way. The world's generosity, generosity is still controlled and hoarded as if it were a piece of prized candy not to be shared with the oppressed lower classes. It was true back then 3,000 years ago. It was true back then 2,000 years ago, and it's true today. So why does Mary sing her song in past tense, we would ask, as if it has already come to pass? Maybe it's sung in the unique verb tense called faithful expectation. I don't recall hearing about this in in English. I don't recall hearing about this as a verb tense, but it's biblical. Faithful expectation. We sing about it as truthful because we believe it is truthful, and it will come to pass, but not yet. 
It's sort of an almost thing. Mary is expressing her faith by recognizing that the surety of God's promises are so certain they can only be sung as if they've already come to pass. This is what Fred Craddock, the amazing 20th century uh, professor on preaching, what he would call, she's celebrating the future as a memory. That's faithful expectation. She's already singing about it as if it's happened. She's singing about it even in past tense because she has faith that it will occur. She's praising God for having already done that which lies before all of us to do. The angels of opportunity don't come often when we're cloistered away at some kind of a quiet spiritual reflection or retreat. They usually come when we're going about our daily business. The video that we watched of Sasha and Mia, that's about everyday occurrences that people need food and they need clothing and they need jobs and they need opportunity and they need a community. These kinds of things that the angels of opportunity bring to us usually come when we're going about our daily business. It is a surprise when it happens. And there on any ordinary Tuesday morning, when we're not even thinking about God or ministry or church, an opportunity presents itself to us as agents of God's journey into the world. Maybe you meet someone who is worried to distraction about a child in trouble. Maybe that presents itself to you. Or we get a call from a friend who just needs a favor, they might say. Or we see a wandering homeless one, maybe climbing into the dumpster looking for something warm to wear or something nourishing to eat to sustain themselves. And there in the ordinary experiences of human life, you may have just heard the clarion call of an angel. One of God's messengers, which is what angels are, one of God's messengers who taps you on the shoulder and said, there's a need. Let's be involved in that together, the angel might say. And God has brought each of us into the world so that the world can share in this announcement that can only be spoken in past tense because of the faithful belief, even though it is yet to happen, we're so sure of, it com- of its coming that we speak of it as if it has already come to be. We join Mary, we join Hannah, and we speak of the world that is yet to come. We speak of it in past tense as if it's already happened because we live in faith. God chooses not just ordinary people, but ordinary events as the stuff of salvation. The story of Mary, young but strong, meek but committed, is our story as well. Maybe there's an angel of God hoping to get your attention to help introduce the Christ child to the world sometime this week in your everyday walking around activity. May God bless us as God's representatives in the world that we might go out into the world and to act our faith, to make our faith real in tangible ways. Amen.